Anyone notice anything different tonight? Hey? The, the cross has moved, yes. The cross is over there, over the baptism font. Over there. But uh, you would have noticed that I look younger. Thank you. That's what I wanted to hear. Ben, you're looking so much younger tonight. It's amazing. What's happened to you? You know, this morning, and I know the morning congregation is a little bit older, but none of them even noticed that I'd shaved my beard off. Can you believe that? Like there was Mary on the second row. Even my mum looked at me and said, I said, did you notice anything different? No? Oh, your beard. It's your beard. It's, uh, it's crazy. But I thought, as, it, as we've been talking about, our church is coming into a new beginning. After lockdown and everything, we've been talking about a new beginning. So I thought I would put action to what I'm believing. And so I shaved the lockdown beard off. Got rid of it. Alex is disappointed. I'm trying to be a faithful servant, an obedient servant. And uh, because I, I believe we're moving into a new season. And God's been talking about it to us a lot. So why don't we pray and then we'll get into God's word. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together and uh, enjoy each other's company, but also hear from you and hear something that may transform our lives. That's what we ask. We don't want to stay the same. We want to grow and get stronger in you. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when we talk about new seasons and new beginnings, for some of us we get excited because when we talk about a new season, we think it's like going from winter to spring. Isn't that right? And spring means longer days, warmer days. And then you start to see up on the trees, you start to see blossoms. Isn't that right? Who loves blossoms? The blossoms. And what are the blossoms a sign of? Fruitfulness and spring. And that there's going to be nice fruit on the trees soon. And you're going to enjoy summer fruits again. It's exciting. But for others of us, when we think of a change of season or a change in time, some of us don't like it. Some of us get anxious and get worried and get stressed by the idea of seasons changing. Even if it's a change for the better, a lot of us struggle with change. I know I'm a person who doesn't like change. I like my routine. I like the safety that you get from doing the same Thing regularly and it just brings comfort isn't that right anyone else feel like that sometimes don't like change like to stay comfortable we all do we're the, the um, sociologists or whatever they call us the majority of people are comfort seekers we seek comfort we like to feel safe and and it's really important for us to understand that as humans we have this tension we have this tension between feeling safe and the need to grow. Because we all need to grow, but we feel safe and that's nice and it's comfortable. And, um, and there's seasons in our life where we need to feel like that. Steve shared a great word last Sunday morning. You can hear it on the podcast if you didn't hear it. But he shared the word about the fallowed ground. The ground that's left to rest. 
you know, as farmers do it, they leave one of their fields to rest because um, the crops draw nutrients out of the ground, so it needs to rest to recover and replenish. And there's seasons in our life when we need to do that. But the word from God was that it's time to plough the fallowed ground because after a season there is a time where we have to get the ox and the plough out, or in these days the tractor, and begin to plough it. And who knows... For the ground, that's uncomfortable. Digging deep into it and turning it over is uncomfortable. And that's the the truth of it is when we come into a new season, a season of growth, a season of change, it does bring a certain amount of uncomfortability. But the truth is we will never grow in our faith. We will never grow into all that God has planned for us unless things change. During lockdown, God led me to the book of Joshua. Who likes the book of Joshua? Anyone read it lately? I, God, I felt God lead me to it in lockdown. And I'm going to be honest, it's been a long, long time since I read the book of Joshua. Uh, it was probably years. I like sticking to the New Testament, sticking to Jesus stuff. That's the good stuff. But it's important to go back to the Old Testament because it's a good directive and a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. And so I felt God lead me to Joshua. And as I began to read it, I was thinking, God, why do you want me to read Joshua? And as I read it, it became really obvious. Because Joshua is the book of new beginnings, they, just, they say. It's all about um, the children of Israel coming out of the wilderness and going into the promised land and so when I read it I and as we've as we've come out of lockdown I thought Joshua is really relevant for us because like the children of Israel we're coming out of a time of isolation they were in the wilderness they were in the desert for 40 years and then God said it's time to cross over the Jordan and go into the promised land into a land of fruitfulness and abundance And in the same way, we've been in lockdown for four months or whatever, and God's opened the doors for us to meet again, but he's also saying it's a new season, it's a new beginning, it's time to step into all that I have for you, to move from lockdown to freedom, from isolation to fruitfulness. And so I want to share from Joshua tonight the lessons we can learn about working through times of change and times of entering into new seasons. So let's read it together. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses... Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea and in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors. And then in the next verse it says, Be strong and very courageous. 
Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What a powerful passage of scripture. We've probably read it many times. But tonight I want to share with you three simple lessons we can learn from Joshua about navigating seasons of change. The first thing that we learn is that God holds our future. We must understand that God has a plan. And this is the amazing thing. Guess what? God hasn't been surprised by a pandemic. God wasn't caught by surprise by COVID-19. He wasn't caught by surprise by an economic recession either or anything else that's going on in our world because the future belongs to God. As someone once said, they said, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. This is the truth that we have to grab a hold of, that we need to understand that our God holds the future. You see, in the first five verses of Joshua, God declares to him very clearly that things haven't changed. He, he declares that Moses is dead, but his plan for the children of Israel is no different than it was when Moses led the nation. His plan was still the same. His plan was to take them into the promised land. His plan was to bring them into a, uh, the promises that he had given them. And even though Moses, the great leader that they have, had now died, God's plan had not changed. You know, time and time again during lockdown, God spoke to us from Jeremiah 29 verse 11. And he reminded us, no matter what everything looked like that was going on around us, even though everything looked like it had gone crazy, God was saying, don't forget, I have a plan. As it says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11 and 12, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You see, God wants to remind us in these times, as he did to the children of Israel, they were in a time where their leader had just died and they're thinking, what will happen now? And God says, my plan has not changed. You know, whenever we face a new season in our life, we must remember that it hasn't happened by chance, that God has ordained it and that God is, is preparing and, and walking through the change with us. He is not allowing us to do it on our own. Sometimes when we talk about transition, it, it feels like hard stuff happens and we think, why is it so hard and difficult when we go through a time of change or a time of transition? We seem to be hitting walls and obstacles and it's, it's hard work. But God wants to remind us that sometimes the difficulties are the avenue 
that God uses to bring blessing into our lives. Think about it for a moment. The Bible is full of narratives throughout it of stories of people's lives who go who God gives a great promise to and then all of a sudden it all goes bad. Everything changes for the worse. And but God uses the change for the worse to actually bring great blessing into their life and to bring the promise to pass. Think of Joseph. Anyone remember Joseph? Joseph and the coat of many colors. God gave him an amazing dream that he would be the leader over all his brothers. And then all of a sudden he's sold into slavery. And at some point, after being accused of rape and everything else, he ends up in prison. In prison. So far away from God's promise that he would lead his family and his nation. But in the prison we discover that the prison is actually the pathway that God uses to bring him into the prime ministership of Egypt and into a place where God could use him to bless his brothers and his family and his nation. This is the way it works and this is the way that sometimes our difficulties are not there to harm us, they're actually there to make us. Think of King David, the greatest king of Israel. Is, is anointed king of, of, of Israel, but there's still another king in place. And so he slays a, uh, a giant called Goliath. And everything's going fantastic for David. He's, he's the man of the hour. He is, everyone loves David. They say of David, they say Saul, King Saul slayed hundreds, but David slays thousands. Now after a while, this gets a bit thin with the king. King Saul and he begins to hate him and become jealous and so David is actually exiled from his home to live in caves and to live in foreign lands he actually went and lived in the land of Goliath the man the country who he won the battle over and for 15 years he lived in exile until God opened the door for him then to become king of Israel You see that narrative where it talks about sometimes we have to go through tough times and difficult times and hard times to see God's blessing come to our lives. Jesus himself had to die on a cross to become the saviour of the world. Maybe we had to go through lockdown to remind us of the great things and the great plans that God has for us. To be reminded of what we have so that we don't take what we have here for granted, but continue to say, God, I want more of you. I want to grow further in you. You see, the truth is we stand in times of change and transition in a place where we need to know that God holds our future and that he doesn't just hold our future, but he will always be with us. You see, when we understand God holds our future, we also understand that God doesn't let go of us, but he is always with us, no matter what we go through. He said it like this to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God says that to us, church, tonight. He wants to remind us that he holds our future 
And just like he was with Moses, just like he was with others in the past, he is with us and he will not forsake us. Amen? The second thing we learn about new beginnings and what they teach us is they teach us that we must trust and obey God. You see, if God holds our future, we must trust him fully and obey him completely. This means we need to do what he asks us to do, follow his commands and directions. You see, God's first command to Joshua in that passage we read before, what was it? Be strong and courageous. This is really interesting because God doesn't say to Joshua, I'm going to give you the courage and strength you need to take the children of Israel into the promised land. No, he says, be strong and courageous. It's really important for us to understand that God is not some wizard of Oz giving out courage to the lion. God's saying, the courage is in you and you need to understand, because I am with you, be courageous. Because the creator of the universe, because the creator of everything you know and the creator who formed you in your mother's womb Because I am with you, be strong and courageous. That's God's command to us. And and this is really important because I've said this here many, many times before. And I'm going to keep saying it until we believe it. And, you know, I know when we believe it, when it actually starts to affect the way we live. Because we talk a lot about stuff. But it's only when it affects and changes the way we live that I know that it's actually something we really believe in. And I've said it here many times, God is our Father. And we are His children. So let's start acting like His children. Let's start walking like His children. Let's start believing like His children. You see, my children know that they can say things and do things with me that other people can't get away with. Because they're my children. And they, they, they don't take that to advantage, but they understand because they have a relationship with me, they know they have my favour. And in the same way, we need to understand that God is our Father. We are His children. We need to understand we have His favour. He says we're co-heirs with Jesus. That everything, his, everything He has is our inheritance. Let's start walking like children of God, church. See, the Bible teaches us that, what is it? God is our shepherd. Isn't that right? So we are his sheep. So get this, what do sheep do? They follow the shepherd. So let's follow God wherever he wants us to go. Isn't that right? Let's, let's realize that God is our shepherd and that we're called to follow him wherever he takes us. And sadly, sometimes, or difficult, in a difficult way, sometimes that might mean difficult times or hard times or, or valleys of the shadow of death. But guess what? He promises to lead and guide you through. He promises to be with you wherever you go. See, God is our shepherd. So let's follow him as his sheep. The other description is that God is our Lord. In other words, he is the Lord and we are his servants. What do servants do? Whatever the master asks. So it's time for us 
to live like servants and say, God, whatever you ask. You see, when God says he's taking us out of winter and taking us into a new season and it's time to be strong and courageous, we need to know he is leading us down that path. We need to understand that if he is saying it's time for a new season, then he is giving us all that we need to get through that season. He is going to walk through us, through it with us. He is going to be beside us. He is going to go before us. He is going to go behind us. But he is going to take us through. And that's why we can stand and be strong and courageous. That's why we can obey and trust him. You see, trust and obedience are the hallmarks of a disciple. Any disciple, uh, and especially a disciple of Jesus, has the traits of trust and obedience. That's what a disciple is. That's what they're marked by. And if we're going to live like Jesus lived, it means that we need to learn to trust and obey. And there's no better place to trust and obey God than the transition into a new season. Because there's no better opportunity when we can learn to trust and obey God. Because we don't know what's ahead, but we have to trust that God knows what's ahead. And we can trust him in it. The last thing we learn from New Beginnings is that God's word is our only measure for success. You see, success in God's kingdom is measured in a very different way than success in our world and the world that we live in. You see, the way God measures success is found in his word, the Bible. God explained it very clearly to Joshua that if he, if he is going to succeed, if Joshua is going to succeed in this new beginning that he's about to embark on, then it literally, God says to him, you need to read your Bible, you need to meditate on your Bible, and you need to do what your Bible talks about. In other words, you need to put into practice what you read and meditate on. If you don't believe me, let's read it together. Joshua 1 verse 8, what does it say? Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then you will prosper and succeed in all you do. When we study, when we meditate and obey the Bible, that's the only time when we will learn what it means to be successful and and prosperous in our lives. Now, I need to say this because I don't want you to be fooled or lured into the trap that many people fall into because they read that and they go, this is my elixir of truth the the silver bullet that's going to give me everything I want in life everything I need in life if I just do this this is the formula that will give me everything I want that's not what this is about there are churches out there that will teach you this if you want to be prosperous if you want to have all the good stuff then do this but it's not what it's saying you see a better way to explain this is is simply this When you make living by God's word a priority in your life, then you have discovered what success looks like in God's kingdom. I'll say that again. When you make living by God's word a priority in your life, 
then, it's only then you have discovered what success looks like in God's kingdom. You see, a successful Christian is not someone who has a big house. A successful Christian is not someone who has a nice fancy car. A successful Christian is not someone who has a job with a great pos- in a great position of power or has lots of money in their bank account. That's not the way God measures success. You see, a successful Christian, and I'll say this, I'm not going to decry all those things because there are many good Christians that have stuff like that. But that's not the aim. The aim is to know God's word. The aim is to do what God asks you to do. And see, a successful Christian is someone who loves God so much that they are prepared to do whatever he asks, no matter the cost. That's what a successful Christian is. And the Bible outlines this really clearly when Jesus spoke in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. And he said these words, and we know this passage, it's very famous, but it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I love the way the Message Bible translates this. It it makes it more understandable in this day and age. But he says it like this. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. See, to be a disciple of Jesus is not a spare time hobby. It's about giving your whole life to him and walking that narrow road, that narrow road that's difficult, it's not easy, But the reward is life with God and knowing God. Joshua 1 is clear. We will never know what God requires of us if we don't know his word. Joshua 1 gives us three clear instructions of what what it means to know his word. Firstly, he says that it needs to be on our lips. In other words, we must read it regularly. For some of us, it might mean dusting it off and picking it up and working out a plan. We have Bible reading plans out there, but actually reading it every day. I'm not saying you have to read slabs, but just read some. I have an app on my phone that gives me a verse for the day. If that's good enough, it's a good place to start if you haven't done it before. But actually start reading God's Word. Put it on your lips. But putting it on your lips is not just uh, about reading it, I like to encourage people to sometimes or often read it out aloud. Actually read what you're saying out aloud. You don't have to do it in public, but in your privacy of your bedroom. Begin to read the scripture out loud. Read passages like this. Be strong and courageous. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to build your faith, speak it out. When you hear it, you go, oh, that makes sense. 
that's a lot better out than just in my head. It's, it's a really powerful thing. But the next step, when you talk about having it on your lips, is about talking about it with others. We don't talk to each other enough about what God is saying to us from his word. Take time rather than just saying, did you see how Port Power won today? Wasn't that amazing by Robbie Gray? See, that got you fired out. But what if I say Joshua tells us, God tells us through Joshua, be strong and courageous. Are you going to get excited about that? Not just because you can do it out of your own, but be strong and courageous. Why? Because God is with us. Talk to each other about what God is saying to you out of the word of God. It will build your spirit. The second thing it tells us is to, that we are to meditate on it day and night. Now, this is not the meditation that we know as crossing your legs and going, um, sort of stuff. <laughs> Biblical meditation is not like that. Biblical meditation is simply allowing it to go over and over in our head, to memorize it, to speak it throughout your day. Um, scholars talk about it like cows chewing the cud. Does anyone know about cows chewing the cud? It's very, very exciting stuff. Do you want to know about it? Uh, it's, it's a fantastic thing. <laughs> cows, chew, cows have something like five stomachs. Is that right? Three, five? Sam, I'm right. Five stomachs. And what they do is they chew some grass or whatever, goes down into the first stomach. And then what they do is they actually regurgitate it back up, bring it back up, and they chew it a bit more. Isn't that a horrible thing? When I regurgitate, I don't want to chew what I'm regurgitating. <laughs> it's awful. But this is what they do, and then it goes down into the next stomach, and it gets digested a bit more. And then they bring it back up, and they chew. But what it, the idea is, this is, this is the idea of meditation. Now you can think about it. You have a scripture, and you... You bring it to your mind and you think about it and you ponder it and you, you consider it and you say it to yourself and then you might put it aside but then later in the day you bring it up again and you start to chew on it again and consider it again. You see, this is the, the way we chew the card. This is the way we meditate on scripture. You might want to write it down. You might want to save it on, on your, uh, what's that screen? Your lock, lock screen or locks wallpaper put it on there and so every time you pick up your phone you see the scripture and you ponder it and you think about it you meditate upon it you consider it and and then it, eventually the more you meditate it all of a sudden you have this moment where you go aha i understand i understand what god's saying to me that moment when you go i can be strong and courageous because not because god's going to automatically make me that but because within me greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world because God is with me I can stand and I can go where I fear about going but I can go there because God is with me does that make sense another way I like to describe meditating on God's word is simply this if you know how to worry then you know how to meditate if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. You think about it. When you worry, what happens? You go over the same thing over and over and over in your head. Ne usually a negative thing. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to pay the bills. What am I gonna, how am I going to pay the bills? I'm, instead of 
having those negative things going, put the word of God in your head. Put the promises of God in your head. Get that working through you. And that will change the way you think. That's why when we worship God with song, it's so powerful. Some people complain and say, why do we repeat the same words of the song over and over again? It's because most of our songs are based in Scripture. And so what we want to do is get that thought into your heart and into your spirit where it will begin to transform you and change you. And that's why who's gone into the week and all of a sudden the song that we're singing on Sunday just keeps going around and around in your head. No more strongholds, just over and over again. Maybe God's trying to tell you something. That's what meditation is. And the final thing God commands Joshua is to actually obey what God's word is saying. In other, wor- in other words, apply it to your life. Put it into action. So as he said to Joshua, if he says, fear not, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, then we need to talk about that, we need to read that, we need to meditate on it, but at some point, we actually need to put it into practice. And usually that's at that moment of difficulty or challenge where we face something where it's hard and we have a choice. Will I choose what God's word says or will I choose my feelings? Will I choose the feelings that I I have that tell me I can't do it or will I choose God's word that tells me that I can be strong and courageous and that God is with me and that he'll lead me through? Church, we are in a time of new beginnings. And for us to receive all that God has for us and for us to see the, the fulfillment of what God wants for us, we need to do what his word says. We need to, hold, we need to understand that he holds the future. And because he holds the future, we can trust and obey him. And we should allow that to affect every part of our lives. But I, I want to encourage you today because I don't want you to feel like, oh, this is amazing, I'm gonna, this, everything's going to change overnight. I want you to understand that this type of transition and this type of change takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. But it takes time to develop everything that we need to fulfill God's plan for our lives. You see, our success is not defined by our outcomes Our world loves to define success by our outcomes, which is things like how many bums on seats and and, uh, how many this and that, how much money in the offering, all those sorts of outcomes. Oh, that's what means you're successful. No, being successful is doing what God asks us to do, being obedient to what God asks us to do over the long haul. That even when things are dark and difficult, we keep sticking to what God has asked us to do. I'll use this example. We as a church entered into the lockdown thinking what on earth is going to happen. We can't meet together in services. We can't do this. Um, how are we going to do what we have been called to as a church? We can't have pop-up anymore. We can't bless our community. The thing that we feel our church is called to first and foremost is to love God, love each other, but love our community that we live in. 
And so if, how can we love the community that we live in if we can't even do pop-up and we can't do this and can't do that? But the thing is, God had a plan. And our, our heart and our commitment was to keep doing it. And God opened the door for us to do hampers. And so over that three or four months, we continued to provide hampers. Some weeks, up to 90 hampers we gave out to people in our community to show them that we loved them and cared for them. God opened the door for us to do it. And even though it was difficult and it wasn't easy, we stayed faithful to do what God has called us to do. The amazing thing about that, and I said this the other week, our church has come out stronger after lockdown than it was before. Can you believe we've added people to our church during the lockdown period? Our bank account is incredibly far more blessed than it's ever been. It's just amazing what God has done. But what did we do? Did we look at how can we increase our bank account? How can we increase our numbers? No. We said, God, you've called us to love our community. How can we do that even though our doors are shut? And, we've, and God provided a way through the hampers. And I believe that that was what God, that's why God has blessed us with this new season that we're in now. You see, faithfulness to God's direction for the long haul will help us weather the many changes in seasons we will experience all through our life. Because there's going to be changes in seasons in our lives time and time again. But being faithful to know God, to keep his word in our heart and to, and to spend time in his word, that is what will bring us success. Eugene Peterson says, success is a long obedience in the same direction in a world where we we have short attention spans and we want to go here and there and over there and everywhere god has called us to a long obedience in the same direction i want to close with this story and then we'll pray it talks of james garfield james garfield was the principal of hiram college in ohio and later he actually became the, the president of the United States. And when James Garfield was the principal, a father came and asked him in, if the course of study could be simplified or shortened so that his son might be able to go through in a shorter time. And Garfield said, Garfield said to this, this um, father, certainly, uh, but it all depends on what you want to make of your boy what you want to make of your son. You see, when God wants to make an oak tree, he takes a hundred years. But when he wants to make a squash, he requires only a couple of months. He said to this father, do you want your son to be an oak tree or a squash? Church, it's my challenge to us do we want to be an oak tree that is here for hundreds of years and leave a legacy that's here for hundreds of years that many people will be able to shade under and receive comfort in? Or do we want to be a squash? A squash is like a zucchini that's here one day and eaten the next. 
give you one meal and might satisfy you for one meal, but that's about it. What do we want to be? The challenge is before us. God has a plan. God holds our future. Will we trust and obey him? Will we live according to his word rather than every other noise that's going on in our world?